Shani Silver just to me represents everything that a spirited, independent woman can be, especially in her 30s. Shani Silver wrote a piece in Refinery29 under her series every single day. And she absolutely has humor, style, and thoughtful, conceptual ideas about being single in your 30s. I am including her in the series Aging with Power, even though she's still a baby, because her perception of aging is really in the same lane as mine and that being single in your 30s is about power, not about being deprived of something. Everybody has a different schedule in their lives and women should feel comfortable with reaching 30 and still having their identity and developing it even further. The point in life you will see is to meet the man or the partner that deserves you. And we have an amazing conversation about that. And I'm so happy to introduce Miss Shani Silver. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. My name is Shaney Silver. I'm a writer. I live in Brooklyn, and I've been writing on a lot of topics since about 2013, but predominantly relationships and dating, more recently in the last couple of years, specifically being single and the whole spectrum of single life. And at the moment, I have a series on Refinery29 called Every Single Day, and that's been going for a year, and we're about to start year number two. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank well, you very much. actually, that's how I discovered you, and I just love your writing. I, I find it really not only entertaining, but very deep in some way. I mean, it, because it's so authentic, I guess there's a vulnerability about it that makes it very appealing. I'll tell you why I was drawn to that piece especially. I am 74, and I decided, and I've been a little coerced to do this, but also decided to talk about the power of aging, and that 74 to me feels great, and I don't feel old, and I have a lot of experience, so I'm not feeling insecure, I'm not feeling vulnerable, I'm not going through your period of time, I've gone past that, and I feel an incredible power that happens post-50 and is really very special. And so aging happens every day to everybody. And when I read your piece, I was like, ah, yes. Aging is a process that happens as a teenager and straight through. And I remember when I turned 21, my mother said, it's downhill from here on out. And I was like, no, I'm old. And then I think now, and I think, I feel so young. But your piece really tells a story of aging in such a wonderful way. And so tell everyone about what the inspiration for the piece was and why you wrote it. Sure. Um, the whole series is about sort of shining light on aspects of single life that aren't discussed and aren't known unless you are living it. Right. And I keep living it. So I'm 37 now, and I think I'm actually one of the very last close friends that I had from like high school and college and certainly throughout my family, one of the last ones that is um, single. And there are certain parts of being single that are hard to understand if you haven't experienced them, particularly past a certain age. And age is absolutely one of those items. There's a whole laundry list of things that I've covered that, that's hard to see unless you're living in this sort of world. And living in the single world in 2019. 
I think it's very different now than it was when I was single at 24 mm -hmm. or single at you know 19. It's just it's been evolving steadily, mm -hmm. and I've seen. I like to joke around sometimes that I've seen online dating evolve from its very beginning to where it is now, because when it was just beginning, I was single and I was toying with the idea of using it. And back then, everyone was cautioning me that I was going to end up in the back of someone's trunk right, being driven out of the sure. woods. And I've seen it progress from that being the overall vibe to now people suggesting that I try it, mm -hmm. which I have a million times. But it's just funny to see how it's evolved from dangerous to the go-to route. Yeah. But in terms of aging, why I wanted to write about that topic was I think it needs to be discussed more. I think it needs to be discussed in a positive light more. And I find aging to be two things, really. I find, first, it's fantastic because the older I get, the smarter I get. And to imagine how much smarter I am at 37 than I was at 27 right. than I was at 17, yeah. I mean, my God. It's just I still look forward to aging the way that I looked forward to aging when I was 15 and I was about to be able to drive. Yeah. I still look forward to it in that way, but society isn't meeting me there. So the other way that aging sort of operates in my mind is that it confuses me. It confuses me why, and it will always confuse me why, women seem to have such a short like, shelf life, if you will. Like I'm sort of viewed as this thing about to expire, or long since expired, depending right. on how you look at it. And I'm not a dairy product, nor do I want to be treated as one. <laughs> and I've seen very real, in-my-face, palpable reactions to my age in the dating space and in the single space. And the older I get, the more women I talk to, and we're all... It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel comfortable to be right. 37 and single because of the, not necessarily because of how you feel inside of yourself, but because of how the outside world right. reacts to you as a single woman over a certain age. And I don't find that to be fair. So You're preaching yeah. to the choir here. Yeah. No, I love your take on it. You're so clever with words, and it's, it's really so great to hear you talk about this because... As you know, you're not alone in this and that there's a huge swath of women who have made the choice to be married at a certain age and to have children at a certain age and maybe have compromised their choices because that schedule seemed to override or maybe the family pressure created that schedule to be more important. And the result of that, we know, is not a good one. And I think it's very brave to decide to have your own schedule and to work. I mean, I met my soulmate at 65. Don't mean to depress you. But, You're not. You're absolutely but, not. Yeah. But I just was single. And I thought, well, you know, I'm fine. I, I don't have to be with someone to be with them, I feel fulfilled in myself. I have great friends. I, I love my life. And why would I want to compromise with someone to satisfy everybody else's idea of how fulfilled I am? Which is, I'm sure, the pressure you feel, too, as people sort of prejudge who you are and why, well, why, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? And you would think that that was conversation of the 50s yeah. but no it's We're not still doing it <laughs> so I'm curious for you to tell me a little bit about your findings in the dating app world I mean what's your take on it I mean it's obviously evolved do you think it has a real value do you think there is another you know opportunity for an evolved version of that? What's, what are your thoughts? I have pretty strong thoughts. And I've had some reactions to them that, that are, people seem to be a little bit disappointed in my, in my take on dating apps. In my opinion, for my personal life, I deleted them in January of this year and I haven't downloaded them again because I had spent a decade prior using them. And I had never had one relationship result. So for me, what that decade tells me is that this simply isn't the route for me to take. This isn't an effective use of my time. This isn't a product or service that is serving me. Right. So I'm not meant to be in this space. Um, and I have a lot of reasons why I don't want to be in this space, but I also want to emphasize that if you are loving dating apps, if you're having a great time using them, if they're working for you, keep using them. 
I think mm. it's a personal choice that you have to make. But what I have seen and what I've seen in the groups of single women that I interact with is that they are not serving us. They are serving something. I mean, the word sinister is dramatic, but I might use it because I don't find a lot of positive stories coming out of the dating apps from single women. I find a lot of disappointment. I find a lot of just a lot of like hopes rising and falling really quickly. Mm. But more than anything, what I find, especially as we get older, is I find a lot of nothing. I find a lot of swiping into oblivion, no matches, no dates in real life, no conversations that go anywhere. And I'm so curious about why we spend so much time receiving so much nothing, mm. which is why I've removed myself from the apps because I don't want to contribute to that nothing. I don't mm. want to spend my time in a place that's giving me nothing back. And I also think that the way we view dating apps has become far too narrow. If you talk to single women in my relative age bracket, it's sort of seen as the way people meet now. And that scares me mm. because it seems like a very narrow route to yeah. finding partnership, if partnership is what you like and what you want mm -hmm. and what you want to pursue. And that's also fine. I'm not really pursuing it now because I feel like, for me personally, the better route is going to be to let partnership find me. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a decade, didn't find much. I'm going mm -hmm. to kick back now and just do other things yeah. that make me happy. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, so, so <laughs> your commentary on, on the app. So another sort of negative that I find is I'm surrounded by women, and I have been for the last 51 years that I've been in business. And so what I notice about the dating apps is women are hoping they'll be accepted. And it infuriates me because no, no, is this person good enough for you is what you want to be asking. He's going on a job interview and you're interviewing whether or not he is good enough for you. This is not the other way around. What are you thinking? And there's this old-fashioned idea that I wonder if he's going to call me again. And I'm, I, I, it was my hair. And I think, like, oh, wow, this is not good. This is not healthy at all. So I, I do think that part of the mindset for a lot of women is any, you know, your criteria may be more specific which is why you're not having success where there's a different criteria when you're not feeling good about yourself and that maybe anybody will accept me and then I'll, that'll be good enough. Yeah. So self-esteem and self-worth are a very important part of that process. Yeah. And so it cancels out if your self-esteem is healthy and you know you aren't sort of, please accept me kind of thing. So if you were to design a dating app, or maybe it'd be something else and not a dating app, what do you think would be the most effective for women? My dream, and I've said this on podcasts before, but my dream is to open a social space, a club, a bar, whatever you want to call it, a big social space, and your admission is your phone. And we lock up all the phones, and to get in, it is a room full of people all people. I find typically when there are events or um, activities that are for singles, it's really just a room full of single women and like two dudes. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> right. I, it would really be everyone together. And there would be no phones and no, no social distance between us. The name of the venue is called 90 because I want to date like we did in the 90s. And I was too young to do it then. So I never got to experience like phone-free dating yeah. ever. And I would really yeah. like to give that a try. Because I don't see a lot of social interaction between myself and people that I would want to date in my age bracket mm. out in the wild ever. Mm. And that makes me sad. I think going out at 37, what I'm doing is I'm going out with a bunch of couples. And we're also in a restaurant full of other couples or a restaurant full of a table of women. It's very rare that mm. I see sort of social events that are single friendly, I guess mm. is what I'm thinking at at a certain age or past a certain age, it's yeah. very rare. So that yeah. my goal would be to get people together in a room where everyone is in like a relatively close mm. age bracket, if you want to date in your own age bracket. Granted, like mm -hmm. date whoever you want. But I don't see any 
men in the mid to late 30s range who are single, who are out and about, just sort of in the natural milieu of life. And that's a huge question that I get all the time. It's a huge question that I think women are asking themselves all the time. It's like, where do single men go? Mm. And I'm, of course, only speaking about heterosexual dating at the mm. moment because that's what I am. Right. But it's the, big, it's the question I get over and over and over again, no matter how many articles I write that discuss being single as a completely okay thing to be, as a completely valid life to mm -hmm. live. Women still come to me with the questions, but how do you meet people? Mm -hmm. How do you maintain this confidence that you're going to meet someone? Where do you meet people? And it's a massive question that I would like to answer, and I don't, I think it's a dream of mine to someday not just have to answer it with words, I would like to answer it with action as well. Mm -hmm. So how I would redesign it is I would bring people together, because I think we have a, a bit of a lack of that. So it's very interesting, listening to you is really, um, it's very profound because one of the things I find very concerning is people express everything emotionally through their phones and they interact through their phones. They have relationships through their phones. And you know, one of the things that I do now is I take people's hands and I look them in the eye and say, when was the last time somebody held your hand and looked in your eye? It's... Yeah. It does, it's, rare. it's rare because there's always a phone in our hands and we're not connecting in yeah. that way. Now, my generation hung all over each other. Yeah. We touched each other. Like, we were very tactile and very connected. And we were always doing things like Saturdays and Sundays especially in warm weather, everybody would be in Central Park, yeah. all, especially in the 70s, all dressed up and vintage or whatever, and there would be things going on in the park, and everybody would get together, and there'd be music and wh whatever. And that the social experience is so critical for our personal development. And the fact that it's so disconnected now is troubling, I, for me, for every age group, including young children, which is really the more critical. But maybe it tells us where we're going as a society and that machines and, and technology are really more the future and possibly AI is more the future and we become less important. It's not such a distant thought, but I also think that creating environments that bring people together physically are critical right now. And one of my best friends is Ian Schrager, and he obviously did Studio 54, and also many hotels that have a social experience in the lobby so that people come together. He is a master at knowing what to do to create an energy in a space that invite people to come and be there all the time and to connect with total strangers and interact with them. And I believe if he were coerced enough that he, because he too understands that that is a big void and I wish that he would either help somebody in your age group to create that new space. But I think you're absolutely right. I think it is very important, not only for your age group, but for all age groups. And they could be different types of venues. I think places like Soho House and Noya House and those places try to create an experiential environment. And I think they make a good effort. But it's different from what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's a different thing. And that void is, is a big void, and it's been around for a long time. But I also think that we are all on a different schedule. And the mistake for young women is to try to all be on that schedule, like I'm hitting 30, I'm having my crisis, 30 is everybody's Saturn's return, it's the hardest first experience for women. I think everybody has a 29, 30, or 31 
crisis moment that they got through. I have mine. We all have them. But getting through them and not looking as getting married as the solution is very important. And I think that one of the things that you're doing in a subliminal way is saying, I'm going on, I have a sense of humor about this, and I'm, I'm positive. And so, yeah, I'm this age, but I haven't even reached my peak yet of my potential, which could be past my age, or, but there are plateaus. And I think when you get into your 40s, you really know who you are, finally. And I think from your age into like 40s, that's when you get it done. And it's always good to be with a partner at the time when you're at that plateau. Because many women find partners and have children with partners before they do. And it's a very difficult thing when two people are out of sync with each other. So for me, and if you want kids, freeze your eggs. If that's what you want to do, that's what you do. But I think not letting any of that stuff define when is the right time for you is the key. And you express that with your stories. I mean, even by not saying it, you're saying it. I certainly try. I'm very, very uh, grateful that I am single today because mm-hmm. I, it terrifies me to think of things I could have done differently and how wrong they would have been, but I would have never known unless I had gotten to this age at this time yeah. in this place and been single while doing it. Right. My friend Rose and I were just talking about this, how we feel like we've been given a second life and this like great gift mm-hmm. that we sort of get to experience this next portion of adulthood not in a relationship yeah. and without children. I never want to have children, which I will admit does make the whole dating thing easier as you get older because it's not a concern. Yeah. yeah. But I do feel grateful, and there's some guilt involved in that because when I see friends of mine or people I know that are in relationships that aren't the happiest at the moment, because I think relationships go up and down and there Absolutely. are waves to them. But catching a friend at a low wave, I kind of feel this sense of guilt mm. that I don't have to go through what they're going at the, through at the moment. But it's a short bout of guilt because I also think that they can decide to do whatever they want with their lives as well. Definitely. So I see my singleness as something I am very grateful for. And it's hard for me to communicate that effectively to women that are still on that linear path that have a hard time getting off of it because Mm -hmm. it feels like failure. But for me, the failure would have been to stay on it. Yeah. Because I think it would have led to some bad Bad choices. Well, it's also a personality thing. I, too, never wanted children, and I was married at 19. So smart. And, um, but in my generation, you didn't leave your house unless you were going to be married. And my mother was as menopausal as you can get, so I was like, I need to get out of here. So I got married. Crazy. But so when I was... 30, I was divorced. I was getting a divorce. And obviously, that 10 years was crazy. It was nonsensical. But I knew that I didn't have to be married to be happy. And I knew that I, I had goals. And I was so afraid to raise somebody that wouldn't have the parenting that would be necessary. And so I kept thinking maybe I'll adapt or I can always do that. Now, I think it makes sense for everybody to freeze their eggs if they're not sure because there's that choice now. There's that choice. It was never a choice that I could think about or not that I would have, but maybe I would have. You know, there might have been a moment And it may be different if all of a sudden you meet your soulmate and it's like, holy crap, this dude could be the one that I want to have kids with. And and so you still have an option, you know, you still have that opportunity. But I think knowing who you are, you know, know thyself is such a great, you know, inspiring two words. And when you know yourself 
and you are comfortable with knowing yourself, then you make the right decisions. I think you represent also a good deal of what I'm hearing from Gen Z, that being married and having kids isn't necessarily path for a lot of women. That's amazing to hear. That's optimistic. (laughs) No, it's very true. And so there are people who are concerned about the population and all of that stuff as a result. But I think it's very healthy to say, I may not want to be married. I may not want to have kids. And when I, I remember when I was six years old, somebody asked me about having kids. And I was like, I don't want to have kids. Mm Mm-mm. I don't want to be married and I don't want to have kids. And I, I just didn't see myself in that world. And I knew then. But I do think having, seeing that this is a conversation that's taking place is very healthy. And it shows that people will say, okay, that's not me to have that plan. I'm going to go with my own sort of dream of who who I am and who I want to be. I hope their parents are supportive of that. I hope that the societal grooming is shifting to let people know that they really can do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. I mean, college isn't even something that's absolutely necessary anymore. Explore whatever you Mm -hmm. want to do at any age you want to do it. I remind myself all the time, my career's gone through several waves as well, and I remind myself that Julia Child did not begin cooking until her 30s. And Diana Athill wrote her last couple of books in her 90s. There are just, like, no rules about well, this stuff. So that's why I'm talking about aging with power, because there is no plan that's universal, and there is no deadline. I believe, if you want to age with power, sleeping, eating healthy food, and exercising are the baseline, and that's the key. Because if you have that power of a healthy lifestyle, it gives you the possibility of living longer than maybe your genetic type is supposed to, and you can. But if you have that as a base, and you have purpose, and you know your purpose, your purpose clearly is to communicate a narrative that is not available anywhere else. And that is really extraordinary. And you're just touching it. You're just starting it. And that potential is obviously very clear to you in the back of your mind that you're, you're still defining what you can, the influence you can have. And I think it's just, it's just fantastic. So what kind of feedback do you get from men about your conversation? I have never had direct feedback from men about my writing. I don't think, apart from, I used to get the occasional email, you know, 2,000 word email from a man in his, between late 50s to early 60s, telling me his life story. Those used to come through constantly. They came through so often, I used to save them and send them to my closest girlfriends and I, because I wondered why they were coming. I wasn't necessarily putting a call out for them, so I was, I was very confused. Mm. But that wasn't even feedback on this work. It was more just I felt, I felt that they felt lonely and they didn't have anyone to talk to, so they told me their life story and their dating history and all of that. Oh, my God. I haven't had any direct feedback from men at all. I think uh, in the comment sections, there are certainly some men voicing their opinions, and I tend not to put too much stock in that. But I really haven't. The, the feedback has come from the people that I want it to come from, and that is from single women. And they love this. They mm-hmm. email me all the time. They DM me all the time. And all of them across the board say thank you, all of them. Yeah. And because of that, I don't see any other work that I should be doing right now. This oh, is what uh, I should be doing. I'm, I'm so happy, and I feel that I'm... I've just really defined the, like I said, I I didn't want to say my age every time I talked to someone because people didn't know how old I was and thought I was much younger and so I could get away with that. And then I, I was really convinced that I need to 
talk about this. I need to make this a campaign so that, like you, are realizing that this is an important thing you're doing. I'm realizing that I need to do this so that when you go through the 50s transition, which is another intense time for reinvention and really just a, the most freeing, powerful part of your life is post-50, actually. You should know that and be happy about that. I'm thrilled. I look forward to it. It is really an incredible experience because hormones are no longer impacting my sort of emotional spirit, my feelings of self-worth, my all of that stuff that, that they do. And, and I think having that power is so extraordinary and experienced. So you're seeing as the decades take you from your 20s to your 30s. And from 35, I would say from 35 to 50, such a great time because you're in your zone. You're, you're, in, you're just getting into it. You're just moving into it. And you'll see it's just so fulfilling and so great. And then when you go the, through the 50s transition and get to the next plateau, it's even more extraordinary. So I think we both have a purpose that is really important and um, I hope we can have more of these conversations in a bigger arena of people, too, because we need to do this. So tell me what your mother thinks about this. I think no matter what I do, my mother is exceedingly <laughs> proud of me at baseline. She's, she's very proud of her daughter, for sure. I think um, a lot of what I discuss is unfamiliar to her. And I think some of it is just kind of, kind of foreign. She, was never, she never had to date online. She never went through any of this stuff. But she was definitely single for a significant portion of her life. She was a single mother for a significant portion of her life. And I think what makes her happy is that I haven't, I haven't made any relationship decisions because I thought I had to. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been here long enough in this single space to recognize that it's not about being in a relationship. It's about being in the right relationship. And there's no way, like, this is why I tell women to, to come to a place where they love being single and they mm-hmm. love their life as a single woman because then you won't give it up for anything no. other than something amazing. No, uh, somebody that deserves you. Yes. Because I have to tell you, when you really are looking after yourself spiritually and emotionally, you exude that and, and you don't draw crap to you at right. all. And so that's why there aren't men all over the place because they're afraid to come near you because they know they're not good enough for you. And to get good enough, you will know that person. And I thought for years, there is no way I'm going to meet anybody. I run a business. I'm the boss. I've been the boss of this company for all these years. I don't have partners. I'm the one. And who can deal with this? And I used to pretend in relationships to be sort of this different person. And I couldn't keep the pretend past two years. I couldn't. It would just be, hey, listen. It's exhausting. <laughs> this, is, this is me. This yeah. is the story. And, and like, they, they couldn't take it. So wasting your time on pretense or it, there's not, there isn't a good experience with someone when you know at first impression this isn't the right person for me. Right. If you can sense it right away that there are flaws that you're seeing, like, whoa, don't even bother. Or that you'd have to change in order to attract them in. You would have to then change for the rest yeah. of your days. Yeah. That sounds like a well, terrible idea. I tried that for quite some time. <laughs> Didn't work. And the other thing is that's very common is you see there's a really good guy there, a really great guy, and he has so much potential and you try to make him work, reach his potential. Yeah. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. We don't date potential. Work on your own potential. Yeah. Work on your own because 
he has to be inspiring for you. He has to be someone that you're moved by and has brings something to the table. And if you have to create that, oh, so not going to happen. Do you think that women are sort of societally groomed to treat every opportunity or every person that comes their way as the last one that's ever going to come along? Because I see that reoccurring in, in women I know and single women and myself in the past as well. Right. Every guy that you connect with, you have to treat it like the last one that's ever going to come along and make it work no matter what because yeah. there's nothing else coming. And breaking free of that old thought patterning yeah. is so beneficial to a single woman. You are so smart. I love you. You're just so smart Thank and intuitive. You. It is absolutely, it's my truth. It's your mother's truth. It's every, it's your grandmother's truth that we're all so lucky. And unfortunately, this is part of what mothers subliminally teach their sons and their daughters that you know, that the male is the special thing and, you know, that we're there as the server. You know, we take care, we clean, we cook, we this old we theory. catch him. Catch them. He's the catch. Yeah, he's the catch, and we're so lucky. And, and that is, I think, a genetic impression in every female's brain that must be extracted, and you have to do it with your pen, and, and more women have to explain that that is not happiness, that is not fulfillment. And unless you can live with yourself and understand the joy of who you are and the friends you decide to be with and the things you decide to do and make your life so fulfilling, you are never going to be happy. You'll be very lonely and very sad in a relationship that's about the other person and not about who you are. That's a very hard one and that you're very smart and Pointing that out and obviously continuing that conversation be super helpful. Being afraid that there's no one else, the minute you think that, you've got to get out of that relationship because that's toxic. There's a toxic imbalance happening, and that person you're with should make you feel so good about being a part of the relationship and not ever fearing that the end of it or whatever. I think that very same lack mentality that there's no one else out there is what keeps people in the online dating space as well. Yeah. There's no other way to meet someone. If yeah. I'm not on the apps, how will I ever meet yeah. someone? And we forget that people met from the dawn of time until the first app. Yeah. They were doing just fine. Well, I will tell you from the dawn of time that there were more opportunities yeah. because we didn't have this this thing that this technology, I mean, you can be with a crowd of people and everybody's got their face in their phones. I mean, you go to the gym, everybody's got their face in their phones, and that's a place where people are coming together. And then maybe it's not a club. It's a club of another sort. And you would think that's a great place for people to meet. But when they're not working out, it's like they're, everybody's looking in their phones. And I, I find it incredible that that's happening. And so I can only tell you that there were so many things to do. Less going out for dinner. Going out for dinner, unless you're with a group of people and you're meeting new people in that group, yeah. which doesn't always happen, tends to be the same group, unless you're a table hopper and like, who does that? No. You're not going to meet people going out to dinner. And going out to dinner wasn't something my generation did a lot. If we were going to have dinner, we would have a picnic in Central Park. or we, It would be a different kind of thing. It would be a social experience or something that... Um, there was dancing, too, before. All the time. There was a lot more dancing. Before. Dancing constantly. I was dancing from 16 till, I mean, till I got 
you know, divorced. I was still dancing through my marriage. I mean, it was just something, but I mean like every night. Yeah. I'm not talking just on a weekend. So you're right. There is, but I think gyms have replaced the dancing part of the physical exercise, which will lead you to believe that that's a place that you'll meet people who like to work out, and that's something you like to do. But I don't see that happening there either. We've isolated ourselves. There are fewer reasons that we come together, and then even when we do come together, we further isolate. It's very sad, and it's very yeah. hard. I think we crave going out purpose that we don't necessarily have. Mm. I, I've seen a little bit. There are a few restaurants, a few clubs in the city now. There's one underneath uh, Niche Niche mm -hmm. that is sort of like a supper club. So there's, it's like dinner and a show. Yeah. Which feels slightly more yes. going in the right direction, but yeah. there's, there aren't enough reasons for everyone to come together in a space just to hang out. Mm. There aren't enough reasons. Yeah. I, I went to a, like a secret comedy show recently. I love stand-up comedy. So Perfect. fun. Yes, but because it was a secret show and they were filming it, they took away everyone's phones when you walked in. Which was great. It was great, and the show didn't start until about maybe half an hour after it was supposed to, so you had a room full of people for 30 minutes with no phones. Great. It was hilarious because no one knew where to look, and it was an absolute riot to see. It was like a like I was an anthropologist, like observing mm. people in a cage or something. But it was a beautiful thing to see, and it reminded me how much we crave social time together and how few instances we have yeah. to do it. Well, one of the things I do believe is because we're in such a difficult time, a politically correct time, a stressful time, comedy saves us. And in the 70s, the city was in dire straits. It was really scary and very tough. And there was a barrage of comedy clubs. And after work every day, we would, the company, like we would go to comedy clubs. And we'd eat dinner and then we'd go to a comedy club. And you're laughing and you're getting rid of anxiety and people are more likely to talk to each other. And I remember those times being extremely social and extremely engaging with total strangers. And now I find myself going to Netflix. I don't listen to the news anymore. I can't listen to any of it. I go to Netflix. Dave Chappelle, I love you. Thank you very much. You can list all the comedians. I'm in love with them. I think they're geniuses. Their brilliance is beyond, and it is soulful and cleansing, except it's on Netflix. No. We need them to be out in the streets, in yeah. the grounds, on the, you know, helping us change the, the vibe of, and the energy. And it's good for them, too, to be in the clubs. But they do it once, and then they put it on Netflix. But I really believe that you hit something there about comedy clubs. It's so, laughing is so healthy and purifying. And being with people in a positive your place is such a great place to meet someone, yeah. right? I'm not sure that drinking and meeting people is the best thing either because it's not, first of all, it's not current. It's not in a healthy mindset. It's not, it's not necessarily the only option. Drinking I, should have never become its own social activity, and it did, unfortunately. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I just don't think that that's the best opportunity. But I do think a place where people are dancing, which is healthy, and laughing, which is super healthy, or a place where you're giving or where there's kindness, volunteering at a place where you feel you, your cup is being filled yeah. and you're not even thinking about it because what you're doing is making you feel so good and meeting somebody in a place like that. I think wherever there's positive energy, there's this great opportunity for friendship, kinship, kindness. So hopefully there's some solution here. I so. But I, I think that your conversation is big and 
probably gathering more people, bigger numbers of people to have this conversation is a very good thing to do. And I suspect there's a male counterpart for you now, and I'll tell you why I think that. I think men are scared shitless on how to behave with women. And you're not taking that into account, or maybe you have. I think this is a very big thing. It's been, I think, a very important process that they've gone through and that women have gone through because objectification in my lifetime is unspeakable. What I've experienced as a as the owner of a business in a world when women were not in business and every woman has stories, had to be ended. It had to be, something had to change. So this change has happened. And I think for the most part, men mean well. I really do. I just think they're awkward about how to express what they really feel and they mean. And I think they're very insecure now, especially about how to express what they feel or even to hold your hand the way I did. Would they be brave enough to do that, right? So I think there is someone writing for men that's your counterpart that you should find because men are so frightened and so anxious about how to connect to women right now. And you need to take that into consideration when you write this because there needs to be some sort of breakthrough in the way the new communication takes place and that maybe you take a guy's hand and say, oh, wow, I heard you got that job. And that he sees in your eyes that, no, I don't want to fuck you. I'm just (laughs) telling you I'm happy that you got the job. Wouldn't that be nice? There has to be something in between taking inappropriate action and taking no action. There is appropriate. But I think they're ready now. I think they know being inappropriate is not going to be good for them. And so I don't think we have to worry about that anymore. But I do think women, and I don't mean be aggressors, I mean women have to take the lead for them. And so, again, it's not being chosen by a man, but choosing the man or being in the right energy or presenting the right energy that the right men are around you. But I do think we have to help them find a new communication and a new interaction, and it is through kindness. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think kindness and laughter and just a relaxing, I think, needs to happen. It's not about being a woman just sitting back and having the men come to you and and we reject them Mm -hmm. and then they're scarred or whatever. That vibe is not not what I want to create or put out there, but I do think that people whose styles and energies fit well together will come together, Mm -hmm. for sure. But I have noticed there is a lack of, I'll call it elegance, to the way men have communicated to me in the single space, especially over the last five Mm -hmm. years or so. It's really lacking in, well, it's lacking in decency, just starting there. But it's also, it's lacking in just a conversational tone that flows naturally that Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it has a sinister agenda to it. I would love to just have a conversation with a male human being in the wild. Just a normal chat would be amazing, and that hasn't happened, mm. and I can't tell you how long, Yeah, which is unfortunate, but it's, it's the truth of things. It's rare that that happens, and I would love for it to happen more. I would absolutely love for there to be a guy writing this series of mine on the other side of the but I I think, uh, to be honest with you, um, I think if it's not happening this minute, it's going to be happening soon. There are organizations for men um, and boys supporting them to understand how to behave with women that I'm very aware of and have even spoken to. But I think your counterpart is about to emerge because guys really don't know what to do. 
the guy I'm with works with a lot of men, and he was telling me he works with a lot of law firms, and he has several law firms that work for him. And so he said, in that environment, there is such fear of, are they saying the right thing? Are they doing, are they moving correctly? Are they interacting with women in a, in a proper way? And they're very nervous, much more than I thought. I mean, I was really surprised. And I, I, I thought to myself, they must be wanting help. They must be wanting somebody to tell them what to do or how to feel comfortable. Or, I mean, I know it sounds like crazy that you have to tell somebody what to do, but no, you really, you really do. They're not the superheroes that a lot of women think. They're just real people who are as vulnerable and challenged as we are at our weakest and and as strong as we are at their strongest well maybe not as strong as we are <laughs> following old modeling that they saw yeah. it was just behaviors that were being passed yeah. down and emulated and they they're repeating them and i understand that and maybe that fear is the common ground because that fear of not knowing how to interact is a lot of the fear that women Exactly. held for so long when they were interacting with right. men, just a different kind of fear altogether. Which is why this is a very promising time. Yeah. It's very promising because now it's a level playing field. And I do think there's an opening coming for this conversation, and you're a perfect person to have that conversation or maybe even start it. I think if you even meet somebody that you think sounds like your counterpart, it could be something that you have a, an open conversation about that would be fabulous to listen to. I have had a couple of guys on my podcast so far that I've come across that seem like really interesting voices in the space. And I, I need to rework the way that I interview them because where I start with them is typically where I start with women. And that, that is like I get their sort of their personal landscape of being single. And all the single men that I've spoken to, they say the same thing. They gush about how much they love it. And that love of the space that they're in in their lives right now is what I'm trying to, to help women come to see as possible. Mm -hmm. And But they're hearing it on the other end, and they're just thinking, well, of course guys love being single and women hate it. Of course. Well, no. let's unpack that, of course, yeah. a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? So, No, guys don't love being single. They really don't. Some do. Some do. Some but do. people, in the end want to share things with someone, yeah. but not with just anybody. They want to share with somebody who they feel really good about. And men feel that exactly the way women feel it, absolutely. And they're as vulnerable when they get hurt, and they have all of that. They definitely want relationships, but they have been burdened with having to be responsible for the entire marriage, the babies, the house, the, whole process. the process. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal to give up in your life. Think about it now. Would you want to get in a relationship and you had to pay for everything, you had to do all of these things? No, I don't think so. It's not happening. Well, so why should they want to do right. it? Right. I mean, what in the world would make you think that that's a good, a good deal? Yeah. But they do want to share, and many of them want children. Some don't. And then you find, you know, your way with it. But I bet if you peel that back, you would hear, yeah, of course I'd like to be with, share things with someone and have, you know, someone in bed next to me. When you, everybody thinks about that. I thought about that. For 65 years. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't that be nice? But they have to feel comfortable. And right now, there's a lot to feel uncomfortable about. I agree. But it has to be the right someone, too. It can't be, it can't be just anyone or it's not, it's not even worth it. And I think for a lot of us, it's taking longer mm -hmm. to find that right relationship than we were told it was going to take. Mm -hmm. So we're single a little bit later we're on a different path than the one that we grew up to think was the golden path. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think about, I mean, that's probably the same for right. both genders. Well, I think they have thought that all along. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they felt that pressure at all. <laughs> no, no I don't. And 
I, I think they're much easier to get out of a relationship if it's not working than it is for the woman who has some sense of loyalty to a commitment she makes. I don't think men, and I think this is a general statement that I feel comfortable saying, men, if it's not working, I'm not sticking with it. So they're a little bit more business-like about the approach. And I think that's just like the dating apps or dating. There's a business aspect to it. Does this make sense for my brand? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does this make sense for me? Is this the quality I want? Is this it, you know, rate it in that way? And if we're a little bit more balanced in the way we make a judgment about who we want to be with, it's very much the way men think. And you know what? It's really not a bad idea. I agree. I wish that, I wish that the age pairings weren't so skewed. I've found in, in dating, and especially in the online dating space, the older you get, the less activity goes on mm. in, in your sphere, but I don't notice that with men. It's, I actually ran an experiment on this. When I turned 30, I noticed that all of my matches stopped coming through on my dating apps, like the day that I turned 30. And it was strange. It was just crickets throughout my dating apps. And I was like, well, let's test this out. And I adjusted my age back down to 25, and they came back in a second. And it was, or not 25, 29. I'd set it back to 29. Mm. And it was just so shocking that 29 was an acceptable age, but 30 wasn't an acceptable age and it, it made me feel so sad. I was thinking, like, these guys that set their age at 29, do they think she's going to be 29 forever? Like, do they not realize that we're all moving forward? No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It, was, it, it makes me feel very sad to think that, like, there's, there's an age after which a mm-hmm. woman is no longer yeah. desirable or dateable or worthy of connecting with in a romantic yeah. way. It makes me very sad, but I also know that the person for me is not someone who thinks like that. So it's mm. relaxed personally for me, but I don't relax for other women because I get well, scared for them. It exists. So I met the guy I'm with when I was 65. It was an introduction, which I think, you know, the old-fashioned fixed arranged marriages to me become more and more sensible as I really look at how this works, and I sort of keep doing my little consensus that the best matches seem to be the ones that are introductions. And so my best friend introduced me to this man. So he's older than I am, believe it or not. I never thought I would be going out with somebody older than I am, but here he is. He's older than I am. And when he divorced and When he started dating, he was dating women in their 40s and 45. And, you know, that was the okay for this kind of, you know, this guy. And so when we started seeing each other and his friends were asking, how old is she? He would tell them my age and like, why? 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 And then, you know, then he, he had to sort of like tell them who I was to make it okay or whatever. But... It was fascinating. He he thought that it didn't. It he knew he was going out with the younger women, and it was like, oh, okay, I can do this. I can get away with it. But then, when he was going out with someone that was very close to his age, and his friends were saying, why? Because they were all going out with women that were, or ended up marrying women like twenty years younger. So it it doesn't. And it still has that thing that men should be with younger women. But the funny part then is they go out with, you know, especially guys that are older and go out with younger women who want kids and they've already had their kids and everything. And I was like, ha, 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 this is going to be cute. Yeah. The age thing is it really is the conversation Finding the mate or when your schedule is or when it's right for you is really another topic. But aging and the perception of aging is changing very rapidly now. And I think our conversation and um, communication about how to look at it and the more we talk about it with your audience and me with my audience and then somewhere along the line we should merge them 
because people really need to, to understand that there is power in aging, obviously, as you see yourself, you get smarter and you feel so much stronger. And then when I look at it in the total perspective of the decades I've been through, I'm so grateful that this is an opportunity I have and an opportunity to talk to people and help other women see that. So obviously you have your purpose and I have my purpose and we're aligned and and I'm so happy that you were able to come here and I hope we can connect again and keep keep this um, party going here. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. 